Welcome to the Big Fish Adventures in Tech podcast. I am your host, Sager Fisher. And today I feel extremely fortunate to introduce you to my guest, Heath Taylor, who has an impressive career spanning roles such as VP of Global Cyber Risk and Incident Response at Live Nation Entertainment and Head of Information Security at Ticketmaster. Ultimately, Heath brings unparalleled experience and expertise in cyber threat hunting, security operations, and business strategy. And I think you folks are going to get a lot from today's conversation. Heath, welcome to the Big Fish Adventures in Tech podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here today and carving out some time to speak with me. I think your background is really fascinating, and it's going to help a lot of folks who are looking to sort of chart this course with their career, get into cybersecurity. So really looking forward to the opportunity to pick your brain. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast and yeah, looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Well, I guess let's let's start at the beginning. So could you just give us a little bit of background on your journey and how you initially got interested in the field of cybersecurity and ultimately what motivated you to pursue this path? Because as you talked, you know, before we pressed record, I think it's always fascinating the journey and how people got into this space, because oftentimes it's not a linear sort of path. So I'd love to hear how that all began for you. It kind of started um, in multiple facets, multiple, um, I'd say, endeavors or, or positions that I had. Um, my first kind of touch with uh, security was when I was in the United States Navy. And I was a radio man dealt with uh, cryptography and things like that. After, you know, I, I was out of the Navy and got into the private sector, uh, started working in information technology um, with a first, you know, exploration to voice over IP, uh, that network administration, storage administration, system administration. And I saw a void, right, with the, the organization I, w- I was at. There was no security person there, although there was tons of uh, piling up security work that needed to be done. So I decided to take it upon myself with a you know, management support and start doing some of that work and, and finding um, where I could apply some of my knowledge as it kind of uh, transverse just technology is, you know, security is technology too. Uh, did that, found an interest there and, you know, went to back to school and, and got my degree in information uh, security. And from there, there's no looking back. So when you were younger, kind of before the Navy, did it, were there any signs that sort of pointed to this career path or what did that look like for you? Was it something that you gravitated to at a young age or found your kind of later in in life when you were, you know, going to college and whatnot, that this was going to be something you wanted to pursue? Not early in life. Um, Early in life, a little bit of of technology exploration or interest, but mostly it was just sports for me at that time. Yeah. Hey. I just wanted to do that. And um, if it wasn't sp- playing sports, it's sports management. But getting into the Navy, I, I found a, an interest in technology and, and decided to explore that and and found that actually that was my passion. That's what I wanted to do. And, and it's what I've done ever since. Did you have other family members who were in the Navy or were you the first to chart that course? Yeah, I was the first. Everybody else was in the army. I enjoyed the ocean, enjoyed the water. So yeah, that's definitely something I wanted to do. And how many how many years did you spend active duty? Active duty was four years, and then four years in reserve. Uh, I was a radio man uh, in the navy, so dealt with cryptography and 
other top secret communications, secret communications, and just normal communications. Okay. So when you went into the Navy, was that something that you already knew was going to be the space that you would gravitate, you know, kind of that branch? Or was it some, did somebody call it out and you would say, hey, I think you'd be good at this? I actually was given, I kind of lucked into it, right? I was given four different jobs based off of four, actually. It was probably 20 different jobs and four that piqued my interest of what I wanted to do based off of, you know, scoring decently, right? In, yep. in the ASVAB and you know, things like that. But yeah, I, I luckily picked the right one. You know, you have a pretty vast background in cybersecurity, but um, what would you say is your strongest, you know, or your, your key area that you focused on or your strongest point? Because I mean, there's so many different avenues you can go into in cybersecurity, right? It's it's never ending. And I think a lot of people have trouble when they're sitting down and they're looking at, you know, kind of what certs to pursue and what path to pursue. It's like, which way do I go? Um, what would you say is, you know, your, your, where you're the most passionate about? I'd say that it's a little bit unconventional. I think my answer will be, but um, it's not a specific service vertical or, uh, I'd say, realm of security that is my passion. My passion is more of working with the business, right? All aspects and facets of security to the business mission and the business goals. Being a facilitator of security in that realm as opposed to just being rigid in, in my approach and in my response to the business. So, you know, most organizations that I've worked for, they, they haven't been security companies, right? They're not, Yeah. right? They're maybe a financial company, maybe an entertainment company, or maybe a um, higher education, um, you know, role. So what I focused on in my career is, I mean, of course, I'm picking up and, and learning and specializing in certain aspects, but where my true passion is, is meeting with the, the organization and the leaders that um, I'm peers with or I report to and taking the aspects of security and aligning it to facilitate a secure method of application to the business. That way we can drive revenue or um, whatever it may be, but in a secure manner. Yeah. And that, in my mind, is an art to be able to do because you're talking to a lot of people that don't have security as like top of mind. And they, I imagine, are looking at what you're trying to accomplish as impeding what they're trying to accomplish. So I imagine it's like a very fine, you know, dance. I mean, just this morning, um, I, I run I happened to run with a group and a lot of the guys work in IT and they're talking to me about this phishing exercise that this one employee failed and just kind of the the waterfall effect of just this one person and the, how many you know emails they got from middle management like and I was just laughing because it's just like and that poor person you know it just he clicked on one link right and then it's this whole like spiral down effect right and so I think there's a lot of folks out there that see security as and it's impeding the business. So obviously, what do you think, what attributes do you possess that makes you equipped to have that conversation? I don't look at security as impeding the business because security cannot be so cumbersome or overbearing that it prevents business, right? Again, we're not in here to slow it down, but we're here to protect it. So there are some trade-offs and you need to take a focus and a mindset of a risk-based approach. Identify what assets you're trying to protect because not all are the same. Mm -hmm. What uh, technology you're trying to protect could because they're not all the same. They have degrees of risk to the business. So is it a critical uh, component 
that facilitates revenue revenue generation, or if it, is it a supporting system that possibly cannot be used as a pivot attack, or is it something outside of a network that has a data classification that is not as high as the other one? So, less concentration on things that don't matter, more concentration on things that do that facilitate um, progression of you know, revenue generation or, or things like that. But you also need to take into consideration reputational risk, mm. right? So that's huge, right? Especially in this day and age with so many, you know, news outlets out there and uh, different requirements being, you know, the SEC, new requirements for 10K filings, right? Um, it, it, is it a reputational risk potentially to your shareholders? So concentrating on that as opposed to being overburdensome, but there's that fine line. You can't be so bending to the organization. But it, like you said at the the onset, it's an arc that you need to play. And nobody's 100% perfect and you just need to you know work together. That's the theme that I'm trying to get across. Yeah. And I think for me, that's why, for whatever reason, I think why well, I come from an education background, um, sort of before my quarter life career crisis where I got into tech, I call it, I worked um, in education. And I think I have a profound amount of empathy for like higher education and hospitals who have to have a re you know, somewhat of an open network to a certain degree and just the battle that they're up against and just the balancing of protecting those networks is, I mean, it's, it's never ending and it's um, it's a huge responsibility. So when you are kind of just first sitting down with the organizations that you've worked at, like, where do you where do you even start like what is what is your process you're like just walk in and i imagine it's so the enormity of that task i can't even kind of wrap my head around how you would go about that process it's hard it's hard i mean the first thing i do when i, I go into an organization say like you said first sitting down with them or whatever it may be is i get a cup of coffee right because you know it's going to be a long day mm -hmm. saddle up yeah exactly so when you get into the actual work, it's a complete top to bottom assessment of the state of affairs of what your security posture is. Do you do you have this, that, and the other, right? Do you have aligned to um, different degrees of, of requirements for, say, um, cyber risk framework? Do you have that implemented? And then you rate your maturity model for each uh, control uh, or requirement, whatever regulatory uh, you know uh, control that you pick. But you map that and you assess it to what your maturity level is and, and what the criticality of what that control is to the application that you're trying to protect. Right. It's that data classification again. So the multi-layer, multi-faceted, but mapping that and then putting it into your risk register. Right, your risk register for treatment. This could be, you know, risk um, you know, avoidance in some manner. It could be transferring that risk to um, someone else through like cybersecurity insurance, mm. or it could be complete, you know, mitigation of that risk by uh, tackling it straight on remediation, or maybe sunsetting that application as it's too risky to the business. Right, there's multiple things you do, but uh, getting putting you know the gloves on getting that work done assessing where you're currently at in a very transparent uh, manner without judgment is, is critical to the business i imagine that you have to be wired pretty differently than a lot of folks to be able to take on a task like that monumental so what is it about you do you think that has made you want to dive into something like that 
I don't know about um, being wired differently, but uh, maybe I am. I don't. I, I don't know. But um, just knowing that you know, working together, it, it's it's something that needs to be done, mm. right? So, being the person that does it without just procrastinating and not doing it and focusing thing other things is something that I feel I do and that I'm good at, right? But it's not a solo journey by any means. So, you know, getting your team to support and help and, and do the work, guiding them through the process, providing strategy around what that process looks like, but also providing cover for them uh, to actually do the work by working with, you know, the executive team to uh, overly communicate every step of the way, but not just communicate what the issue is, what the gap is, but applying that in a manner that makes sense to the business, right? Not everybody's a security person, so they don't, they don't know what you're talking about. You know? So taking what that actually is, mapping it and creating a threat model that shows the executive team why it matters, why it needs to be fixed. Not just having, oh, it's just another thing we need to do, but showing how it can impact uh, revenue to the organization or reputational risk is critical. Is there, when you go into, you know, these organizations, is there a common thread that you're seeing that they're struggling with or does it vary, you know, depending on the vertical and the size or is there, you know, some commonalities that you can extract from the work that you've done? Tech debt is just huge. Uh, you know, so much lack of deprecation of certain assets or products, uh, which creates multiple attack vectors, is big. Um, the biggest thing I've seen throughout the entirety of my career is a lack of inventory. So the organization doesn't know what they have. Mm. They do to some aspect, but not a complete, you know, 100% uh, view. So you, you can't protect what you don't know. You don't know if things exist, then that's a risk in itself. It's also fascinating to me to, you know, this this concept of shelfware where it's like you actually, there's so many, I think I read somewhere that any organization has as many as like 83 different tools and technologies that they're supporting. And it's amazing to me how some of them just like sit on the, like you pay an absorbent amount of money for these tools and you don't even know you have them. And I think that just speaks to, how busy and how much responsibility there is for, you know, folks like yourself and, and others to support these organizations. It's just like, don't even know some of the, the tools that they have is, is alarming, truly. It, it, it is alarming, right? Because if you don't know you have it, then you don't provide, I'd say, a life cycle of maintaining it. You don't patch it. You don't, you know, roll out new versions. You don't do that. So you're, 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 tech debt and the aspect of security risk increases dramatically. So I guess, you know, there's a lot of, I, I try not to go down too deep of a rat hole on LinkedIn, but it's it's obvious that there's a problem with folks, as we discussed before we started recording, you know, breaking into the industry. So in your mind, you know, it's a pretty daunting, you think you go to college and you, you get the degree and whatnot, and then there's going to be, you know, a job available to you. So in your mind, what are some of the things that those people should be doing to kind of bridge that gap between that, you know, college experience and, or, you know, or certification experience, whatever path they take versus kind of the real world experience that, that you have right now. Even though you're at the infancy of your career, focus on relationship building, networking. I would rather hire somebody who builds relationships and who has that soft skill 
and that ability to communicate and that proactiveness to communicate than somebody who's got a little bit more of a technical uh, edge based on experience on uh, their CV, the resume, mm. um, as it shows that 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 is the type of aspect that I, I need and I want in, in a team member of mine that I'm bringing along. The, it shows that the ability to be managed, the ability to mentorship, the, the actual caring and feeding and interest in their career to progress it. And that's a skill, right? That communication and that networking is a skill that's needed yeah. you know, within the security space as we know it. And I also say, you know, nobody wants to go to like an ISSA chapter event at 6 p.m. on a Wednesday, right? But once you're there, just the connections that you make and the folks that you get to talk to, I, I can't, you know, stress enough how impactful that's been for my own career and learning curve personally. Like, so getting involved in those local chapter events, and I'm starting to see uh, at our last chapter event, I saw some, some, you know, kids that were it's still in high school and they're like, we just wanted to see, and I'm like, this is great. I'm like, this is, you know, I wouldn't have done that in high school, certainly. So I'm like, no way. I had many other interests that were not involving hanging out with a bunch of, you know, middle-aged people on a Wednesday night at 6 PM. Um, but I thought that was great. And I think it's, you know, if you just put yourself out there a little bit, the, the reward is so significant, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's hard, but I think to your point, it's, um, um, hugely impactful to the trajectory of of your career. Absolutely. It shows a vested interest in your career, most definitely. So where are you going to kind of, um, obviously, AI is an incredibly hot topic. I mean, it's I still haven't reconciled as an English and communications major. I have not reconciled my feelings about it. Um, I'm a big lover of words, words are, that are generated from a, a human. So where do you go to stay up with the latest trends and technology and, and you know, stay ahead of the curve as much as possible? Because we all get get busy and that's hard to, to stay on top. That's extra work on top of the work. It is, but it, it goes kind of in the same realm of, you know, the, the individual breaking into their career, the vested interest in their career. They're doing the research that they don't want to do on a Wednesday night or whatever day it may be. So it's the same thing here, right? It, yeah. It's something that... Uh, if we do not explore, if we do not research, if we do not do, you know, uh, different aspects to educate ourselves on, then we're behind the curve, right? As a lot of organizations are going to an AI model, there's extreme value mm -hmm. there. There's also um, the aspect of having educating yourself to get to a point where you can control you can protect and you can facilitate in a secure manner the application of AI into your organization, um, where if you don't, then it's going to run rampant, it's going to run wide, and there's different attack vectors that uh, could be you know, presented there, including the supply chain, even the supply chain of an AI, being that the conception of code, if it's not protected in a manner, then that AI could be detrimental to your organization. So um, applying similar and new controls onto the deployment of AI in your organization is needed. It's beneficial and it, it, it's a requirement. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something that's not going anywhere. So if you don't learn to embrace it, and I tell myself that all the time, that it's something that I have to learn and get comfortable with, um, because otherwise you're you're going to be left behind, right? And I think to your point, when it's used in a positive way, um, it's just wrapping your head around it right now. It's just, it's a lot. So well, I imagine it's, a lot. It, it's at the forefront of a lot of organizations. Yeah, I mean, you may ask me that question next week, and I may have a different answer. But sure, you no, know, the 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 reality is, like you said, it's here, it's here, 
it's probably here to stay. So we need to uh, protect um, ourselves, protect it, protect the organization proactively. Yeah. What would you say if you could kind of pinpoint what's your favorite aspect of cybersecurity? Like, what is it that you love about it so much that makes you want to show up each day? I mean, because it's it's a hard career path, right? But I think it's a very fulfilling career path. But obviously, you have to have a passion for it. So is there any are there a couple aspects of it that you think are what get you staying in the industry? I ask myself that every single day. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of folks yeah. do. <laughs> no, really. It's... Uh, there's there's so much variance in the space, right? You could shift your career in multiple different ways and stay within cybersecurity, which it, that makes it extremely interesting. There's you know seeing the application of your strategy that you implement uh, come to fruition, um, you know, on a quarterly basis. It seems like you've achieved something, right? Yeah. And wake up the next day and you realize you're you're still behind. So getting that going, uh, continuing to to grind is, is the aspect that I enjoy most. But, um, you know, that grind, having, you know, rewards in that grind are beneficial and appealing as well, you know, because without having those small wins, then what's the point, right? But, but getting up in the morning, I, I strive always to be proactive. To, to have small successes and to celebrate my team and, and what, uh, you know, the tremendous value that they bring to the organization is what I have a passion for. Yeah. So how you, and I think it's, gosh, I think it's so important to, you say, celebrate your team. I think it's so important to try to take the time to recognize and appreciate the hard work of the team around you. So how do you go about kind of cultivating this positive, you know, we're all in this together because it can be to your point, like progress is measured. I don't want to say incrementally, but it's not like other, like I I always use the comparison of like a doctor where you complete a surgery and you're like, yep, we're, you know, we're done. We completed this. It's like, yes, we made, you know, small progress. So how do you keep the morale of the people that you work with um, positive? I'd say more than morale is less to, less of celebration for this example that I'm going to give is, you know, I, a lot of times I like to lead from the front, right? Um, I don't like to, you know, just uh, bark and command and, and, you know, give direction without examples or application of strategy uh, where it needs to be implemented. So leaving, leaving, leading from the front without being overbearing and uh, micromanaging and uh, doing the work is critical and key. But showing, when I say leave from the front, I'm showing a vested interest, be showing I'm connected, showing that I'm present in the moment um, and, and actually being present in the moment as opposed to uh, just letting you know the cogs work. Um, it might be a horrible description, but you know, I hope you understand like the theme that I'm trying to get across. Be being engaged in in showing a real concern and care for the employee and for the work that's being done is what I'm you know all about. Um, showing you know gratitude for the employees, always championing uh, throughout the business, and where course correction needs to be made. Um, showing uh, that it's not a I say live or die scenario in most aspects, some it may be, but giving an opportunity and enough leeway for the, the individual contributor um, to, to fail, right? Because that's how we learn, 
right? Um, giving that uh, opportunity and that guidance for them to fail or succeed, you know, is critical, is key. And um, what I've shown over the years, seen over the years is that the employee, the staff, the team member, um, my peers and my um, say managers, uh, they, they appreciate that and they feed off that. Yeah, and I think that that is an art in and of itself, that kind of emotional intelligence. And I think it it's definitely certainly something that I see is starting to get lost as the, you know, the busier that people get, the more connected and, the, uh, you know, the less time they they take their vacations, which is another problem in this industry as we can go down a whole different, you know, conversation path with that. But I think just taking the time to appreciate the people that you work with because um, the burnout is a real issue in this industry. Like it's, it's a big, big problem. Yeah, it is. You know, it's getting more and more so. You're going to see people in this industry completely leaving the industry and shifting careers. It's, you know, because they, they go to, they, they look at the aspect and the reality of that. It's more and more work with little to no reward, with more and more liability um, put on them. People in senior leadership roles are having to get, you know, personal insurance to protect themselves, you know, against potential breaches or uh, things like that within the space. So there's a real exodus, right, of, of people within leadership roles within the cybersecurity space. And it's concerning. The life of a CISO or VPR, it truly fascinates me how anyone would say like, yep, this is what I'm gonna sign on for. Like it just, it, I am. I have a lot of respect for them. Let's say that to to boil it down to you know the crux of it. It's um it's not a position that I would personally ever have an interest in, or, or um, so I find it fascinating that folks are willing, as you said, to take on that risk given the enormity of what they're up against. Yeah, I mean, how to counteract that is have a game plan going in, you know, to that role or the continuation of that role that aligns with regulatory compliance and uh, legal obligations, and also the mission of the business, and be consistent and steadfast in your approach, right? So um, if you're repeatable in, in the right manner, things will work out. You won't always have the best day or the, you know, the best week, depending on if it's a breach or whatever you're dealing with, but um, you know, stay true to your resolve is, is the guidance I would give anyone. Right. Do the best that you can. Um, what excites you about the industry right now? Oh, so much to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so much to do. I, I think it's interesting too, is, is a lot of, you know, expansion uh, within startups um, that the cyber, you know, uh, space has. Um, you'll see a wide array of, of different applications of, say, AI. You'll see, you can see a, a different expansion of, um, you know, MSSPs popping up, you know, these days, providing, you know, like you, you mentioned at the onset of our, our talk here that, you know, there's a lack of security uh, staff mm-hmm. uh, to support. So you see a gap in, in a, a need for MSSPs to pop up to provide managed security services you know, for these organizations. So or these organizations can, you know, offset, say, 25% of their load um, to a, you know, organization that provides, you know, these services in a 24 by 7 manner. Possibly it provides cost savings, possibly it doesn't. There's risk there too. But, you know, it's quite interesting that how successful some of these MSSPs are, are becoming. 
Yeah, and I think half the battle is just finding the right team and the right tech and the right resources to bring into the fold because it's an incredibly saturated, loud space. You you know, there's a startup starting every week, it seems like. And I imagine for someone in your position that that in and of itself is a monumental task of kind of trying to vet out the best fit for your organization. Yeah, definitely. So going into and using, you know, I mentioned before relationships, 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 using your network to identify what uh, tooling or organizations that you mentioned have provided value to somebody within your network and creating an old fashioned bake off of point of uh, point of, you know, proof of value of of concept, um, having them uh, uh, operate in a real world uh, type scenario. Um, in my mind and, and what I've, you know, have, have my teams do is it's valuable, a little bit time consuming, uh, but you get the, those sales, um, engineers that are at those organizations to do the heavy lifting as they want to make the sale offload some of that work there, but seeing it operate in, in real world, not just, you know, uh, uh, making a decision off a white paper, uh, I've seen value in. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody gets really excited to say we're going to start a proof of concept. <laughs> it's not, it's uh, people don't do cartwheels over that. Um, so you're, you know, just looking back at the trajectory of your career, it, I mean, in my mind, you know, it, it showcases, you know, adaptability and innovation. So what are some of, I guess, the creative approaches you've taken personally to solve some of the challenges um, and, you know, that might inspire others to in the field? That's a tough one. You had to, you had to give me a tough. <laughs> I know that's a lot. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, I don't look at it as being creative. I don't look at it as being adaptive. I look at it as being um, pragmatic in my approach, right? So, looking at uh, things that need to be taken care of uh, being the most riskiest and the most uh, valuable to the organization is what I typically concentrate on. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not uh, leaving other things by the wayside, but just kind of prioritize, reprioritizing based off the of risk. Um, and, and that's from what I've done from my experience as being, um, you know, an enterprise security officer to um, the head of security, you know, for uh, other organizations. Um, most recently, you know, ventures that I've had were was the head of security for Ticketmaster and then also um, the head of and vice president for cyber risk and incident response for Live Nation. I, I've taken that approach for those past roles as well. Uh, what's most valuable to the organization? What does the organization care about? Because if it's they don't care about it, they're not going to do it, right? So yeah. to me, it's not getting creative. It's being pragmatic and, and uh, practical with the application and the direction and the strategy that we're going to take. Yeah, it sounds like you're someone who is very methodical and process-oriented, and you do a good job of bringing people into the fold and making them feel like they're a part of that, which I think is you know, that is an art in and of itself, aside from having, of course, like the technical know-how and aptitude that you obviously have given your background. So um, I think just being a good human, making people want to work with you, yeah. making people want to work with you, right? Like, you know, it's, uh, it's there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, bad eggs in any, you know, kind of industry or, or whatnot. But when you've come across someone who you want to work with and continue to work with like that, that makes you know, what you guys do a lot easier. Absolutely. And they'll follow you anywhere. 
right? yeah because you're yeah. not you they're not and i mean timing wise they're following you but the reality is they're not following you and you're you're going through this journey together and it, it some managers and some you know folks they you know they're they're very smart they're very methodical um but what you need you need to take it to the next layer with the employee with the staff is show why we care, why we need to do this, why we need to, you know, tackle it together and have that team mentality is, is huge. Yeah. If you look back, is there any one big initiative or project in particular that stands out in your mind that you're the most proud of? I'm proud of a lot of them, but I'm most proud of, uh, you know, the, the employees that I've had the pleasure to being a steward for right and 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 you know basically being in them being in my care um they've done a lot it's been you know they've huge projects that we've done for implementation of um next gen vulnerability management mm. implementation of enhancing of our incident response team and, and technologies around uh implementation of um advanced sim as well as uh, soar uh, technologies to automate certain aspects uh, different architectural designs with you know moving towards the the cloud and the engineering aspect around that there's been a lot right there's been a lot so i don't want to focus just on one but i want to celebrate uh, all yeah i um i just like the cloud piece alone to me that's like the wild wild west just being a part of those more and more a part of those conversations lately. Um, Cause it's, you know, a lot of the, the teams that I'm talking to, it's, they're just starting to dip their toe into that world. Um, and it's just kind of fascinating seeing just the enormity of what that process looks like. Like, do we go full in? Like, are we doing hybrid? Like, what is this going to look like for us? And it's just, you know, you have, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about, you know, the cloud in general and just the security um, measures that are in place to some of the solutions out there. And it's like, nope, actually, you are still on the hook for protecting this. Yeah, they provide you with the tooling and service. They they don't uh, they don't admin it for you in a, a managed services provider way. But then again, there are organizations that do that, that you can offload somewhat, but not all, like you said, yeah. of, um, you know, the liability of a potential breach or misconfiguration or, or whatever it may be. Um, you still need to be knowledgeable and own your data and own your application. Is there anything, is there any projects that you're, or any goals that you have personally right now that you're working on, whether it's like, you know, certifications or what does that look like for you? Cause we know that it's never really like a nine to five and you're, there's always something that you're kind of probably working on in the background. Yeah, it's definitely not a nine to five. I mean, it's I, I'm of the mindset to, of continuous education, no matter what level you're at. Um, you know, most recently I've been, you know, looking and diving in and, and educating myself a, a lot on product security. Um, you know, not just application security and being a, you know, a security engineer or setting up a tool and things like that, but actually getting into the, the nitty gritty, um, for lack of a better term of product security as we're going into a very product, uh, centric, um, kind of mindset, depending on the organization, right. But it, it's, it's heavily product, uh, based, which, um, yeah, I've been, uh, kind of, uh, dipping my toes into it a little bit. You definitely need to have a growth mindset, right? I feel like in order to to be successful, um, 
in your mind, if you could, you know, before we close here, if you could sort of define what are some of the key attributes you think you need to be a success in this industry, what would those be for you? At the very beginning, at the very onset, identify and recognize in most cases, not at all, that it's not a security organization. It's what I said at the beginning, right? It's not a security organization. So if you have that mindset, you have to adapt and align with that into how to strategize to provide your security services and your security knowledge to make what the business does secure. Um, you'll get a lot farther in your career. You'll get a lot farther you know, in, in your um, development. Um, having that mindset of continuous partnership and having the mindset of continuous education, um, you need to stay up with the, the ever evolving, uh, landscape of what we deal with. Um, if you have that as a concrete building block within your, you know, career, you'll, you'll do nothing but succeed. Yeah, that's great advice. I think of a lot of, uh, Younger folks will find a lot of value in that. Um, to that end, is there a place where if, you know, um, anyone wants to kind of reach out to you and and shoot some questions over to you about is that, you know, are you on LinkedIn or where do you? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also, you can find, you can email me. So my email is heathtay2 at gmail.com. Uh, from there, we can expand into, um, you know, Zoom calls or, you know, text messages. But um, contact me there first and then I'll give you my, my mobile. Great. I would like to put a little asterisk. This is not an invitation for vendors to <laughs> bombard you and reach out to you with their, yeah, I think we are talking about security practitioners who are looking to enhance their skills and get into the industry. So I'll put a little, little star next to that um, at the end. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, is there anything else, Heath? This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. I know you're an exceptionally busy human. So um, I think a lot of folks will get a lot of value out of today's conversation. That's what I'm here for. And, and I appreciate you having me. Um, no, I don't have anything else. I just I thank you for the opportunity just to sit down with you and, and have, a, have a chat. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, Heath. Appreciate it. Thank you.